Jason with yet another exciting episode of Rick's Rated R Horror Movie Review Show, where we review all things related to horror. Horror movies, horror TV shows, horror video games, horror documentaries, horror TV specials from the 1990s, horror stories from the 1940s, everything and anything that has to do with horror, we review it here. And we do it because we love it. But around here, a very special type of horror movie or horror story that we really enjoy. That's right, we like to talk about the Catholic Church. We love the Catholic Church in a bad way. The ghosts and demons, demonic possession. Oh Lord, we do love our demonic possession. Ah, uh, yeah, we do. But we love stories about zombies too, but not the uh, not the not the fast ones. Nah, nah, we we prefer the Romero zombies, the slow ones. Those are much more uh, manageable. Yeah, not the horde ones. Those are, those are kind of fast. Witches. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. We just did an episode on a witch. We did, and that's that was pretty interesting. Anyway, welcome to Rick's Horror Movie Review Show, Rick's Rated R Horror Movie Review Show. If you are new, welcome. We love having you here and thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. If you're not new, if you're a returning customer, welcome back. It's nice to have you here. Thank you for allowing us in your ears. Oh, Lord, you're going to start already with that thing? I have others, you know. I like what? Well, I, I don't need to use them right, right now. Anyway, today's episode is <laughs> it's a special one. Absolutely goddamn right. Ladies and gentlemen, a uh, special guest appearance from a character from uh, the, the Fall of House of Usher, uh, Mr. Roderick Usher. We've reviewed these episodes. If you haven't heard them or listened to those episodes, check those out. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. God, Mr. Uh, Roderick Usher. You're goddamn right. Why am I here? Oh, I just, I just thought I'd bring you up. For what? Is there anything for me to say or do? No, not much. God damn it! You're wasting my time. I gotta get out of here and get a drink. Cool. See ya. You're goddamn right. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. God, Mr. Goddamn right, Roderick Usher. You're goddamn right. Anyway, before we begin with today's special episode, let us remind you, and if you're new, let us tell you for the first time that we always do spoiler-full reviews of everything that we do. If you haven't seen this movie, maybe you don't plan on seeing it, be warned. This is a spoiler-full review. That's right. We, we tend to uh, look at the story and then we will give you a spoiler full review. As always. Did I give the name of the, uh, of the movie we're reviewing today? No, no, you haven't done that yet. Okay, well, today we're going to talk about... Today we're going to... Tonight's episode is Brooklyn 45. Join us as we tackle this special movie that takes place in the winter of 1945 in New York. Oh, okay. I mean, I already knew that. That's right. Brooklyn 45. It's a special episode because it's a special episode. Actually, it's a special episode for another reason, too. I, I feel like 
this is the first time we've reviewed sort of uh, a film that doesn't match the old films from the 1940s, which is, interestingly enough, one of the things I liked. Anyway, if you're new, you don't know that we have a short format. It's a very simple format. First and foremost, I like to talk about the things I liked, but not just things in general. I'm talking about things that I liked about the film that we just watched or enjoyed or about the review. And then I'll talk about the things I didn't like, again, as they relate to the film. Uh, and then we'll do a plot review and commentary and we'll do script accurate dramatizations of scenes, but we don't do analysis because we are not experts. Although I contend a ah, lot that I am becoming a sort of a demonologist. I mean, Ellen Warren and, and, and Lorraine Warren's has sort of anointed themselves demonologists, right? I mean, how much more expertise because they potentially have? I have the access. I have the power. I have the power of the Internet at my grasps. I know about every single demon that has ever existed in the history of demons. And therefore, I anoint myself this evening. A certified demonologist. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick the Demonologist. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, this, is, this is a bridge too far. A bridge too far, huh? Yeah, I, this is a bridge too far. Okay. Anyway. After all, <laughs> after the uh, super script accurate dramatization. And by the way, we, we don't do script accurate dramatization. You do the dramatization on another degree. It's, yeah, it's a lot of the stuff that's not in the movie. Oh, a lot of the stuff. Everything I say and do here is in the movie. Just go watch it. And if you don't plan on watching it, it's even better. You don't need to uh, after you listen to this. Anyway, after all that good stuff, we will give this film a rating. And everything will be fine. Anyway, let's just jump right into this. The things I liked. And once again, the things I liked is sponsored by no one. Ah, oh, lot. And now sometimes you don't use these things and sometimes you use them a lot. I mean, every episode is different, dude. What do you want me to do? It's just whatever happens, happens. Okay, so the things I liked. It's a great story. It just is. It's a well-written story. It makes complete sense to me. They looked at historical stuff that happened. Stuff. Historical stuff. Historical stuff. And, you know, it was like a lot of stuff that I really enjoyed about history and stuff. And, and then they did a report on the history stuff, which is like really old stuff that happened like a long time ago before stuff. Oh, Lord. Uh, some kind of like teenager giving a report or something like that. That's exactly what that was. So it's a great story. They tackle really important issues that happen in the history of uh, the United States of America. Number two, it's a, it's a social commentary. Again, the social commentary on real issues that not just happened back then in 45, but many issues that are happening in the country today. And also there's cool cinematography from the 1940s, which I really enjoyed. Uh, cool looking 1940s style effects. And this probably relates to the cin cinematography. Oh my goodness. Here we go again with the cinematography. Yeah, wait, we're great. We're going to call this a cinematography. That's right. Uh, so the cinematography from the 1940s, along with the really cool 1940s special effects. And what I mean by that is... Not everything is, you know, 1940s special effects, but it looks like it. Uh, for example, the, the instances where the candles light themselves, 
uh, the ghosts that present themselves, they all look like stuff that you would see in a horror movie from the 1940s. Uh, so it's really, really cool to see that. Uh, awesome cars as well. I know they're in there for like two seconds, but you know, 1940s cars, beautiful vehicles at the beginning of the movie. And the movie also opens up with a uh, black and white shot. So again, really, really cool stuff. You know, most movies in the 1940s were, were still black and white. Uh, if you haven't seen The Wizard of Oz, go check that out. You'll, you'll be in for a nice surprise. Anyway, uh, awesome costumes. You know, this really reminds me of when we saw uh, uh, the not a haunting in Venice, but rather a really boring murder mystery in Venice. If you have not listened to a really boring murder mystery in Venice, go listen to that episode. We reviewed it. Uh, but anyway, really, really amazing costumes from the 1940s here as well. Beautiful fedoras, these trench coats that these folks are wearing, the coats, the colors, immaculate. Uh, even the, uh, you know, one of the characters, uh, army uniforms from the 1940s, very much, uh, you know, I would say period accurate. So they look really cool. Uh, and Bob, <laughs> one of the characters, always looking at everybody in disapproval. Bob is, uh, Bob is the mom of this movie. And everybody in this movie is, uh, you know, a disappointing child. Everybody else is just, you know, Bob's children. And anything and everything they do is just being uh, looked at by Bob uh, in a very disapproving fashion. You could see Bob there, like, crossing his arms and, and tapping his toe. Just, hmm, hmm, hmm. Or hands on the waist, Bob. Hmm. Hmm. Everything, absolutely everything is just, is just not good enough. Oh, no, we, we're really getting into some really deep and personal things here, huh? No, not at all. Actually, I, I, my, my mom's not like that, actually. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, totally. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. And now we move on to the things I didn't like. The things I didn't like. Sponsored by no one. It's a tragic ending. God damn it. God damn it. With these tragic endings. Can we just get a happy ending to a horror movie once in a while? I mean, seriously, I mean, they're horror movies. I don't think they necessarily need to eat in and, and, and happy endings. It's a horror film. Listen, you can give me two hours of horror, but in the end, you know, tie it up nicely with a nice, beautiful, big, giant fucking red bow on a silver goddamn platter. Mr. Rusher? On a goddamn platter. You're still here. You're goddamn right. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Roderick Usher from our episodes on uh, The Fall of the House of Usher. I'm going to get the hell out of here now. All right, well, see you later. Tragic ending. Good Lord. Fix that, please. Uh, more happy endings to these movies, please. Uh, if you haven't heard the episode on... Uh, actually, I think all of the episodes we've reviewed lately have had tragic endings. We did uh, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. If you haven't listened to that, go listen to that. I think that was a relief on episode two. Tragic ending. Uh, but anyway, uh, this is uh, another thing I didn't like. It was very dialogue heavy. You can imagine this is all taking place in one room. Not much else to do other than talking. Well, I mean, they're boozling it up and they're talking, right? It's essentially uh, a talkie. <laughs> but it feels a little long and winded sometimes. And it just felt like I needed a break from that. And they do sort of a decent job at like having different camera angles and the actors and the actresses are talking 
Uh, and most of the dialogue, I would say, is okay. It's palpable, but uh, it, it'd be tough to watch this again just because it's so, uh, it feels really long-winded. I think it's a great play, though. I think it would make a great play uh, with a, uh, you know, 15-minute admission in the middle. And it's not a long movie, but you know, it definitely felt uh, a little longer than it needed to be because of the amount of the di- because of the amount of dialogue that we have. Anyway, there's racism in this movie and sexism and a whole host of nasty shit that happened then and still fucking happens now. But that's not the problem. Uh, the problem is they explain this racism as a mental illness, which is not a thing, right? Being racist doesn't necessarily mean you're mentally ill. I mean, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, they explain it away. Like, the character kills herself, but really, she was she really... Obviously, she has mental health issues, but uh, they're not... Uh, what is this? Mutually exclusive things? I mean, or rather, not mutually exclusive. I'm, com- I'm confusing things now, but being racist and having uh, mental health issues don't necessarily uh, go hand in hand, I guess, is the expression I'm looking for. But anyway, I did not like the fact that for some reason... Her racism is explained the way as being a mental illness, which is weird. But anyway, let's just jump right into the story. Okay, so this movie opens up with Archie, Bob, and Anne, and they're all walking into Hawk's place, right? Yeah, they're all outside, and suddenly they, uh, they're walking, and it's, it's Christmas time. Yeah, it's December 27th, 1945, and Archie and Anne and Bob meet each other outside. Oh, Anne, you dirty gal, you're here. And Bob, your husband, everybody loves Bob. Oh, hello, Archie, says Bob. Bob doesn't really like Archie. I don't know why. I don't think, I don't think Bob is... Uh, is sexist or a homophobe? He doesn't really seem that kind of person to me. Archie's gay, it turns out to be. But for some reason, he just doesn't like Archie. Anyway, they greet each other, and uh, Anne and Archie are really happy to see each other. They're forming army buddies. And then they start walking into Hawk's place. And there's this beautiful, long, fracking shot of the apartment, and... Uh, we see a hallway and we see some pictures and then we enter what eventually turns out to be the study where this, the events of the film uh, take place mostly. And there's still one long tracking shot and then we finally catch up with one Mr. Pa DeFranco and he starts having a conversation uh, with Anne. And one really cool thing I noticed about Paul Franks, is I mentioned this already, the uniforms are really, really cool. But one of the cool things I, I noticed about uh, DeFranco's uniform is he has the big red one on his sleeve. Now, the big red one is a military unit that has been around since 1917. It's an Army Infantry Division that is still active in 2023. So it's been around since, well, for over 100 years. So uh, Very clearly noticeable that, uh, that, that big red one patch on his sleeve. And then everybody starts greeting each other and boozing it up. And Bob is there and Anne is there and Paul is there. Archie's there and obviously Hawk the host. And then Hawk eventually greets everybody. Ah, you're doing it. Come on in. Yeah, everybody, come on in. 
Yeah, yeah, just grab a drink and uh, yeah, yeah, and Jim just gonna lock the doors behind you without you noticing. So he actually does that, right? Yeah, he said it very, very uh, mysteriously and, uh, you know, quietly, almost like trying to do it in hiding, locks the doors once everybody enters. Yeah, very, very sneaky. Very sneaky by Mr. Uh, Mr. Hawk. Anyway, they start boozing it up and there's uh, there's some banter between uh, Archie and Franco and they start talking about Archie's trial. Archie's going to trial for some reason. We don't know why. Uh, don't you worry, Archie. I got your back just like I did back in 44. Oh, Paul, you're such a sweetheart, Franco. Come over here. Let me give you a kiss. You ain't kissing nothing, Archie. You hear me? All right. Oh, come on. Don't you want a kiss from a cornfed Nebraska major who might also be a war criminal? <laughs> come here. Let me give you a smooch. Pass. Pass, Archie. I'll pass. I'll grab myself a scotch. Anyway, there's more banter between these two. Yeah, you know, the gays, they really grind my gears. Oh, I'll grind your gears, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't keep a straight face. You couldn't keep anything straight, Archie. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I guess uh, common in the 1940s, so I guess uh, they are okay with talking to each other that way. Well, fuck it. You know, I guess they're friends. So anyway. So the reason why we're here is because Hawk is mourning. And by the way, they don't say this early on, right? No, I mean, they don't say what she... They allude to her committing suicide, but they don't actually say she committed suicide. Like, she, Hawk begins talking about, like, oh, I can't believe that the church says that she's not going to heaven because of what she did, but she's no longer with us. She decided to check out. It's like they're dancing around the issue. And you know what? I think that's pretty typical of stuff that happened in the 1940s, right? I mean, if you remember, like... The first time a toilet was shown was like 1955 and like that's a big deal. Like the fact that I'm saying that it was a big deal uh, lets you know that, uh, you know, stuff in film wasn't always just accepted as stuff is accepted now, right? The first interracial kiss happened in Star Trek in 1960 something, 66, 67. And that's a big deal because something like that had never seen on TV before. So I think they're alluding or rather, the, the way that the film is made is, is very much in, in, in the same style that a film in the 1940s would not talk about or directly mention suicide, but allude to it with, you know, dancing around the issue. Oh, she's left us. She decided to leave us. Okay. Anyway, he's mourning this, uh, his wife's suicide. His wife's name is Susan. She checked out. And he's talking to everybody. Yeah, well, you know, she, uh, she decided to, to just check out because, you know, this neighborhood... That we fought these, these purest bastards, the Nazis, and the crazy, crazy alien ideology. Can you believe it? It's not being overrun by these crazy crowd bastards. And the Japs. And those damn Mexicans as always. Oh, and of course, those blacks. They always want what we have. But guess what? We always work for everything. Like I always say, work for it yourself. Pull yourself up by your bootstrap. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, Hawk. Absolutely. You got them right. So anyway, he continues. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I really wish that uh, 
I really wish that I believed her. You know, I, I, I really wish that, uh, that I believed that she was, uh, that there was racist here, but, but, you know, I guess I just wasn't racist, racist enough. You know, she thought that, she, that this lady was spying for Hitler, you know, I should have believed her. I should have believed her, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I just, I just can't believe I did that. So is he mourning the loss of his wife, or is he mourning the fact that he wasn't, I uh, racist enough to believe her i don't know it's weird right yeah well, i mean they're painting this picture again that she had mental health issues and definitely someone who commits suicide definitely probably is having mental health issues but was she just you know suffering from mental health issues or was she just a raging racist maybe both but anyway, he continues, and um, you know, he's out, he's telling them that uh, the reason why they're there is well. He continues. Well, listen, the church turned me away, and they're saying that she's not going to heaven. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I just, I just don't believe that. I, I just can't. You know, just like that, the baby white Jesus. You know, he's a white guy. You know, you know what I mean? It's like baby white Jesus. Look, look at him. Look at him. Yeah, I can't. You know, I, I just don't believe it. And then where'd she go anyway? Did she go to white heaven? Or is it like mixed heaven? I'm sure she wouldn't like that. Anyway, you know, the church is not giving me the answer that I want. So I've been trying other you know, alternative methods. You know, I got this thing going with uh, spiritualism. You ever heard of that? So he explains to everybody this thing about spiritualism. And he goes on and on and on in this long tirade about how the church isn't believing him or he no longer believes in the church, but he wants to believe that there's something after. He wants to know that there is a heaven. Oh, why heaven? Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Did the, did the racist lady consider that maybe she's going to a mixed heaven? No, of course not. No such thing. Equal but separate heavens. Ah, oh, Lord. 1945, baby. Uh, plus you versus Ferguson, if you're not familiar with that one. Equal but separate. <laughs> Anyway, we continue. Now he wants to, you know, he's doing everything he can to connect with this woman. All right, so yeah, well, I, I'm just going to tell you, right, you know, I'm, I'm just going to shoot you straight, no pun intended. I know we're all war veterans, except for you, Bob. All right, you've never seen any combat. Most combat you've ever seen has been, well, you've never seen any combat, so I can't joke about that. Oh, 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 Lord. All of you with your damn combat stories. You know, a man does not need to prove himself in combat to be a man. Okay? <laughs> oh, Bob. <laughs> and everybody mocks Bob. Nobody likes Bob. Because he's not a war vet. And by the way, they're all, you know, I would say, uh, advanced in age. I mean, I know they're majors and colonels, but, you know, how much actual action do people in their, you know, 50s see in war? Aren't they just sitting behind some, you know, some, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak, I guess. I don't want to sound ignorant, but I wonder where these high commanding officers were directly, exactly in the battlefields in 1940, uh, in the 1940s. They sure weren't on Higgins' boat. Maybe the major was. Maybe Archie. But even Archie seems a little up there for, uh, for uh, you know, actual combat. Anyway, we continue. 
So, we, you know, I figured, you know, we're all right here. We have a little, you know, just like a little stock and, uh, you know, we just do a little seance, like, uh, you know, like uh, just hanging out, like, like, uh, like uh, you know, like we're in the barracks or something, you know what I mean? Ha! Listen. I'm here all the time for you, Huck. But DeFranco, he's not going to hold hands with the gay over there. Oh! <laughs> oh, you. You'll hold hands for sure. So DeFranco continues to be reluctant to do any of this. He's just like this character. He's this, uh, he's this character who's a hard-ass, right? DeFranco's a hard-ass. Yeah, he's uh, definitely probably the most, or rather the, the ultra-nationalistic, ultra-macho character of the film. Yeah, definitely. So, so he refuses to hold hands. He refuses to join a circle. He just refuses to do anything. He refuses to partake in anything and anything that Hawk has to say simply because he doesn't believe in it. So he doesn't want to humor him. But alas, he gives in. And they decided to hold hands. So they began to hold hands. And they place uh, Susan's locket in the middle of the table and suddenly it starts spinning and doing all kinds of crazy shit. And then uh, they hear bang on the door. Bah! Ha! Spirits, says DeFranco. You'll have to do better than that. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a little scary. And Hawk advises everybody not to break the circle, because, you know, if they break the circle, the doors to, the, you know, the underworld or whatever the fuck they're doing stay open. Uh, I guess you gotta, you gotta keep your hands, you know, don't, don't break hands under any circumstances, otherwise, uh, you know, the, the circle breaks and then I can't talk to Susan. Anyway, let's continue. Susan, give us a sign. And the sign is uh, the lights, the candles light. And the candles light. And another banging on the door. Bah! Oh, <laughs> what is that now? <laughs> now I'm really starting to get a little freaked out. Says Archie. Everybody seems a little on edge, a little nervous. And they continue with like creepy shit happening. And suddenly, for no reason, Hawk just hawks one out. And vomits or spits out this mass, this white mass. Oh, 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 look at that. It's white, just like the best color. <laughs> oh, wait, was I, was I? Oh, sorry. Now you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, we fought the Nazis for that. We fought the Nazis for the right to say, wait, they were wrong. We were right. And suddenly the vomit appears to <laughs> Take on a life on its own. And Susan's hand starts protruding her arm from this vomit. And everybody now is freaking out. And the hand continues doing its hand thing. And suddenly the radio turns on. And it's time for a white country. Uh, I mean, a white Christmas, not a white country. Sorry. <laughs> oh, now nah, you know what? Fuck it. I meant it. <laughs> oh, the Francos. Oh, that the Francos. Italian, by the way, right? Yeah, the Francos Italian. It's very interesting because uh, early in the history of the uh, United States, the 
the the country didn't uh, accept Italians as white either. Yeah, very interesting. Interesting history we have. But anyway, the vomit and the hand happens and the radio turns on and shit starts to get freaky. And Hawk is desperate to have some sort of contact with his uh, deceased wife, her ultra-racist, potentially mentally ill wife. And he breaks the circle. I gotta break the circle. Let go of me. I gotta hold her hand. Oh, no, Susan, don't leave. Oh, Susan. I was gonna hold your hand. Oh, Susan. I wanted to hold your hand. Well, now he is a believer. He believes that there's something else out there. That was enough. The vomit hand which he vomited, gave him the courage to believe that there's other things when you die. And that's enough for him. But suddenly, he's just like, well, yeah, you know, guys, I, yeah, I, I really want to I really appreciate you for coming here, but, you know, this was enough. Like, I almost got to touch her hand. Look, she, she's alive on the other side. And, you know, considering I, I spat out this white thing, it's probably white heaven, so she's probably real happy right now. So, uh... It's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pull this gun and then I'm just gonna put it in my mouth and then BAM! And he commits suicide. Blows his brains out. And everybody's now in severe shock. Ah! What the hell, Hawk? Holy shit! Son of a bitch, my friend blew his brains out. Damn it, Archie. Oh my! And he just takes himself out. But before he takes himself out, he tells DeMarco. Yeah, listen, DeMarco, you're just going to have to finish the job, okay? Because what I just saw, this means it's heaven. And it's probably equal but separate. Okay? That's heaven. That's definitely heaven. And more importantly, it's, it's like, you know, the same for everybody, but separate. And as he blows his brains out, the closet door now bursts open and a woman who's tied, bound feet, bound legs, rushes out, stumbles out and falls to the ground. And it turns out to be the neighbor, Hildengrad Bauman or Hildy. And she happens to be the German woman who Susie was accusing of being a spy for the Nazis, right? Yeah, I will find out a little later. But yes, you're absolutely right. And Hildy speaks. Ah, I've got to get out of here. Get to the chopper. That's not what she says. I know, I know. Oh, danke, 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 danke. Oh, hi, my, I'm Hildy. Oh, yes. Uh, I am, uh, my name is Hildingard and I, uh, he drugged me and he kidnapped me. And then, uh, you know, he stuck me in closet and, uh, but uh, danke for, uh, uh, for, uh, for, uh, for rescuing me. Now I must leave. And she's trying to leave, but of course, DeFranco, you're not going anywhere till we find out who you are. Stick em up, Kraut. What? Oh, oh, oh. That's not good. That's not good. And now they all bicker. Well, you look like us, but you sound like them. You're a Kraut. Maybe she's a commie. 
Well, maybe she's one of those mystical white Mexicans I've seen, but I hear they're awful. Their food is awful. <laughs> huh. Any chance you're a Jap? Huh? You crowd? Maybe some kind of commie? Mexican commie? A Mexican? <laughs> oh, oh, DeFranco, you kill me. I am from Berlin. Okay, and they told us that America was the great land of the free, the home of the brave, the great melting pot. My friends call me Hildy. Ha! Sure thing. Hildy. It, uh, very nice. Nice try. And they continue to bicker. They just don't like her because she has a funny accent, right? She has a German accent and they're accusing her of being a spy for... By the way, and now defeated Nazi Germany. By this time, Hitler has already committed suicide. Allegedly. And the war, uh, at the very least, uh, the European theater... It, no, I think both theaters are now over. Yeah, both theaters are now over. So both the, uh, the European theater and the Pacific theater. So why would anybody spy for somebody who's not dead, right? It's ridiculous. But, you know, these ultra-nationalistic ideas are insane. Not necessarily rational. Yeah, I, I couldn't rationalize it either myself, but apparently I guess you can still be a spy for the Nazis. Yep. Anyway, they continue bickering and now DeMarco, ha, you're not one of us. <laughs> nice try, Kraut. And Hildy is like, oh, DeMarco, uh, are you not Italian? <laughs> I'm an American. The last name is DeMarco. You understand? DeMarco. I'm not a crowd, all right? Yeah, but uh, DeMarco is Italian, is it not? Ha! Ha! Italian. Ha! Nonsense. And there's more bickering and more nonsense, and there's back and forth. And now Archie and DeMarco start going at it. Ah! What did you just say? Oh, you know what I mean. Oh, you shut up. Why don't you shut up? Ha! Huh. You telling me to shut up? Ha! Huh. Yeah, I said shut up, you baby butcher. What did you just say? Oh, Lord. So it turns out that DeMarco committed some war crimes. Ladies and gentlemen, war crimes. You are, you are, you are Berlin butcher? You killed kindergarten full of kids in Berlin? And Anne finally chimes in. Oh my God, Archie. Say it is. Say it and so. And she mentions she chimes in and it's not. Say it and so. Ugh. What can I do, Anne? I was, well, I was just I was following orders. Please, what would you like me to do? I, I did as they asked. Anyway, they continue bickering. And now, you know, everybody demands that DeMarco, who has the key, open the door. But he won't do it. Why? Because he's crazy. He still thinks that uh, Hildy is a Nazi spy. And he doesn't want to let anybody else out until they determine that she's not. That's right. And now this is where Anne comes into play because she was a master interrogator during the war. So DeMarco asked her to interrogate Hildy. Hildy, I need you to do your 
your interrogation stuff from the war. You know, that thing with the pin and the nail that you stick in people. Oh, DeMarco, I've already examined her. She's not a spy. She just isn't. I had so many calls from Susan and we checked her out. She's not a spy. You'll do as I say, damn it, or nobody gets out of here. So she agrees. And they begin to torture, essentially. Hildy. Hildy? Guten Morgen. Oh, guten Morgen, guten Morgen. Please sit down. Hildy, my name is Mala. If you stand up, you are guilty. If you cry, you admit guilt. If you feel pain, you admit guilt. If you admit guilt, you admit guilt. If you lie, you admit guilt. Is that clear to you? Uh, no, not clear. I, I, I don't understand. I, 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 what, 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 what do you mean? We shall proceed. Hildy, have you now or ever been associated with the Nazi party of Germany? Uh, uh, Nazi, uh, Nazi party, Germany? No, I, I'm in America. That is not what I asked. I poke your finger. No, I, I am not associated with Nazi Party of Germany. Hildy, have you now or ever been associated with the Socialist Worker Party of Germany? But the war is over. That's not what I ask. Finger. Ah! No, I've never been to Socialist Party of Germany. I am from Berlin. I came here in 1931 seeking American dream. My husband's name is Jürgen. My girls go to PS124 school. I am a green grocer. I hate other colored people like you. Especially when I say Jap. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I got intense there, but she also showed some biases when she, you know, she said Jap too. So it's not like she's clean and free of, uh, of not holding biases. And I guess maybe that's America. <laughs> But anyway, the interrogation proves that she is, in fact, not a Nazi. And then Paul finally agrees to open the door. All right, I guess she's not a Nazi. Whatever. I could smell it on her, but you Tommies won't, won't do anything about it. Oh, no, the Tommies aren't here. And by the way, I had a Tommy sit on my lap once, and their rumps were so warm. Ah, oh, damn it. I'll just open the door. And then he goes to try to open the door. And mysteriously, the key melts. Oh, yeah, I, I, I think it's just absorbed into the keyhole. Okay, yeah, much better. You're right. The key was absorbed. And mysteriously, the key gets absorbed into the keyhole. Ah, yeah, that's right. Much better. Thank you. So now they're all freaking out again. And now everything will not be fine. As this is happening, Hawk's corpse... That is now somehow, I guess, taken over by Hawk, or he's dead, by the way, he blew his brains out. It's reanimated. And he has demands. I'm back. All right, here are my demands. All right, number one, you gotta kill Hildengrand. She's a Nazi, she has a funny accent. And number two, Make sure that there's equal but separate heaven, all right? Susan doesn't like, uh, you know, the blacks or the browns or the, you know, everything. The, the, the funny accent, nothing. Equal but separate. 
one for the whites, the other one for everybody else. And, uh, well, uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of undecided about the gays. It's okay as long as they don't act gay and uh, they hate on other minority groups. That, that's okay. And, uh, yeah, one more. Uh, no women in the newsroom. They don't. I love the ladies. But they don't belong in the newsroom. Uh, Marco listens to his former commander. He was, uh, he was the, uh, what was his rank? Uh, they mean Hawk's rank? Yeah. Oh, wasn't he a captain? No, he was much higher than the captain. Not an admiral, because it's not the Navy. Oh, lordy, I'm blanking out on his rank. Archie's a major, I think. Adam, no. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. I can't. Um, it'll come. It'll come to us. But anyway, much higher rank. Hawk has a much higher rank than everybody. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the good army man that uh, DeMarco is, he says, Sir, yes, sir, I would carry out your order. And, uh, well, you know, you've heard the demand. And now, Marla decides that the only way, the only way, no, 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 no. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the sheriff from uh, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. We reviewed that episode. They, they unite, sometimes the bite burned down to the ground. Mm, no, I don't. Ladies and gentlemen, the sheriff from Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Thank you. Not today. So the only way that they can leave is, well, by somehow finishing the seance. And somehow they finally they all gather and they decide that they're just going to do it. And they're holding hands. And Anne talks. Dead spirits of the formerly alive who are now dead. If you're listening to this because somehow you can still hear and process information without a physical body, without an auditory system, and without a central nervous system, somehow magically, if you are listening without any of those physical attributes, we ask that you end this shtick at once. The hawk was hurting, not because his wife was a raging racist, but because he just wasn't racist enough. Because if he was racist enough, then he would have believed her. Yeah, I mean, that's a interesting thing. Obviously his wife died, but I mean, you could also argue that he himself wasn't racist, and that's why he didn't believe her. Yeah, but if you're married to a woman who's racist, you know, you probably call her out on that bullshit, right? I mean, I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope so, too. Anyway, if we continue. The seance now, instead of ending the shtick, as Anne asked, conjures Susan once more, and this is where we see that 1940s ghost, and she's like, Susan, you killed me, and then you made it look like I committed suicide, but you're a crowd. You know better than the blacks. You know better than the Mexicans or those Asians as well, whose possessions we took and we never gave them back, especially the Japanese one. 
You snuck into my house and you slit my wrist with your worst of kitchen knife. Those Germans, they make the best knives and they were so good you killed me with it. Ah, oh, you are crazy. I never killed you with your worst of knife. No, absolutely not. This is lie. I did not kill you. Are you kidding me? What stuff knife is best for cooking, chopping, dicing, slicing, julienne? Not for killing. And after seeing that shit, Archie's like, oh my god, I am out of here. No more. And tries to open the doors to the parlor, but of course, now they open. And as he opens them, holy fuckity, fuck, 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 we see a scene of a scorched kindergarten. All the bodies of all the children that he killed at that German kindergarten in Berlin. Oh Lord, please. Oh God, please, please send me the hell. Please just end this. Oh Lordy Lord, I'm so sorry. And at this point, Hawk now starts to stand up again. And start slamming his head across uh, on the table. I have more demand. Blonde eyes are great. Blonde and blue eyes are great, but no funny accent. Light skinned Mexicans don't count. They are Spanish. You have to kill her. And in the midst of all this craziness, as this thing is now like completely shattered his face, then Marco continues and insists on killing her because she's a goddamn crowd. The fuck with it that she came here in 1931 looking for the American dream. Fuck that. She doesn't sound like me. She doesn't look like me. You're not one of me. And Bob somehow gets a hold of the pistol now. And uh, as Paul approaches them again, talking down to Bob, as he did in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Damn it, Bob. You give me that damn gun. You don't even know how to pull a trigger. You've never been... Bang! And Bob shoots him in the fingers, blows his fingers off, or shoots him in the hand and blows his fingers off. And Paul is in shock. Ah! You finally grew a pair. Ha <laughs> ha! Silly old Bob. Bang! Shoots him across the head, and now he's dead, too. And now Hildy is the happiest person in the room. She's like, ah, danke, Bob, danke, danke, danke very much. Let's just see. Bang! Shoots her in the head, too. So Bob, who had done nothing, never been warned, never seen, never seen any kind of crazy action like this before, decided that, well, I, well I, just, I, just, I just did what needed to be done. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, but we got to get out of here. And now that the German Nazi spy has been killed and sent to the other heaven, not the white heaven, the doors open because Hawk's demands have been satisfied. satisfied. Not good, not good, she's dead now. <laughs> we'll get rid of the other ones later through policy. <laughs> ah, civil rights. <laughs> I'm glad I'm God, I don't want to see that. And the craziness is over. And now Anne is shocked to see Bob commit murder of two people. And they're walking out. And we see them walking towards the, uh, or walking out of the apartment the same way that they walked out as the, 
as they were entering, so the same exit, rather the same location that they used to enter the apartment is the same one they're using to exit. And it's December 27th. And now finally, Archie says, you know what? I did it. But I was only following orders, so I will, I will admit guilt, then I'll take it like a man. No pun intended. I'll see what the courts say. See you in the paper, gals. And he leaves. And Anne and Bob walk towards their car. And they're just overwhelmed and breaking down. And then the camera pulls away from the vehicle, pans out, and the movie ends. Dreaming of a and that's it that's it for this one and uh, very interesting very interesting ride two hours in the same room almost well, an hour and 40 something like that but you know what I really liked it I liked all the social commentary I liked that it tackles issues that you know are still relevant today in the year 2023 and uh, I enjoyed it so Brooklyn 45 uh, 7 out of 10 for this movie a lot of really good stuff a little long sometimes a little uh, a little too dialogue could make a great play I'd watch that shit would you yeah I would go watch that play absolutely if you are still here thank you once again for listening to us if you're a new listener thank you for joining us and we hope that you'll join us again next time on Rick's rated R horror movie review show until then